0: If you have your Bible, you can turn to Proverbs, the 24th chapter. We'll get there in just a moment. Proverbs, the 24th chapter. But I want to read a couple scriptures before and introduce our subject. Romans 14, 17, Paul says, For the kingdom of God, is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. What a powerful text. And here's another one. Then in 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul follows right up with that theme, and he says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. The New Living Translation says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Then the theme continues. In Matthew, the third chapter, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching, Repent ye, For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in the very same chapter, chapter 3, John is baptizing Jesus. And at that time, while they were baptized, while Jesus was being baptized, the heavens opened and the Spirit of God fell upon Jesus and he was anointed And a voice spoke out of heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then as you pick it up in verse 4, chapter 4 rather, Jesus, after his anointing, is led immediately by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted and tried by the devil. And verse 17 says, right after all of that, From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is so obvious that one of the main themes of the word of God that coincides with the church is the kingdom of God. And all of these writers throughout the New Testament, John the Baptist, and Jesus as well, the first thing they came preaching was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here. It has arrived. It has come. So tell me, why does 90% of the religious world keep talking about the kingdom that is going to come after Jesus splits the clouds. Somebody's got it backwards. The kingdom of God, over 2,000 years ago, arrived in this world. And the kingdom of God is an absolutely amazing subject to study throughout the word of God. These scriptures... Are anointing, or excuse me, are announcing the coming of God's supernatural plan to save the world from their sins. A kingdom has come down from heaven that would replace man-made religion with the power to live righteously and peacefully and joyfully in this present world. A supernatural saving grace that brings salvation, Titus says, has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, and we can all live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. When Paul says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, it is not to be determined by one or two external acts. For example, coming to church on Easter and Sunday or from abstaining from certain things. The throne of the kingdom is erected not in the land of doing, but in the land of being. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Something is going to happen now to humanity because something from heaven has landed on earth and now wants to get into our hearts and lives and it is the spirit of the living God. It is that glorious trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They're done with temps, they're done with tabernacles, they're done with temples, God wants to get and always wanted to get into each and every one of our hearts. How in the world can they miss it? But they miss it. Amen? It's not a matter. The kingdom of God is not a matter of clean hands, but of clean hearts. In every born-again life there is a holy of holies. It is a place where only we can meet God alone, our spirit and the Spirit of God. It's that inner place where each of us comes face to face with God, where we know whether or not we belong to Him And the kingdom of God. It's in that utter most privacy of our lives that we discover whether we are or are not in the kingdom of God. I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God and how it influences our families and all of life. God gave us his word. And he gave us his word to change the way that we think because without God's word, without God's influence, without God's Holy Spirit, we are all like sheep without a shepherd. And all you have to do is watch the news these days and you will see how quickly humanity can become uncivilized without God. What we're seeing in the streets, in our cities, all over our country now, is what happens to people when they forget God. And the Bible tells us plainly, all nations that forget God are turned into chaos. They're turned into hell. They're turned into confusion. And so we see it every day and it's a great concern to many of us. All you have to do is just observe what's going on around you and you'll see. So what are the kingdom standards for building strong families in a day when the family, especially the family, is under the relentless assaults of spiritual wickedness in high places how do you build how do we build a strong family a strong marriage a strong home and a strong church in a world like this in an apostasy like this in a world where everything is turned upside down in a world where there are no absolutes Absolutely. In a world where everybody is doing that which is right in his own eyes. How in the world do we get on top of all of that? The kingdom of God has arrived. That's how we're going to do it. That's how we're going to do it. Solomon says, we find, and, and we find the answer to how we're going to do it. In Proverbs 24 and verse 3 and 4. It's all over the Bible, several places, but let me just read verses um, 3 and 4 out of Proverbs 24. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Amen. We build strong families, strong homes, strong marriages, and strong churches not by kissing and hugging and having sex. We build strong homes, strong families, strong marriages, and strong churches because the kingdom has come down to earth. Y'all got real quiet on me a little second ago. But what I told you is the truth. Amen. Stick with me. Solomon says, By wisdom a house is built, by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall all its rooms be filled with wonderful things. Solomon says the first way to build strong homes is by getting information. You've got to get the right information. You're not going to get the right information from TikTok, Google, or all these texts. The only place in the world you're going to get... The right information is right here. If you go outside of the realm of these pages to try to get information, to try to get truth, to try to get wisdom, you are going to be very, very disappointed. And your life is going to become a shambles. You see... The problem is there are too many people in this world and in high places who think they're smart enough to run the world for other people and the problem with that is their pride is so big their ignorance can't fight it. They they know more and more about less and less. The Bible says, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. It is a disaster every time we turn away from the Word of God. One of the most precious things that God ever gave us was the Word of God. We've got an authority now from another world who created us, who shows us how to live in this world. So to build a strong home, a strong marriage, a strong family, the first thing you must get is knowledge. But there's a problem. Knowledge doesn't just come to you. You have to go get it. So instead of watching TV or buying a video game, go buy a good book. Read this one. Read things that are spiritual. And you'll solve a lot of problems in your life. The second thing you need is understanding. You need to be able to comprehend and see how your understanding adapts to your situation. The third thing Solomon says is we need to have wisdom. But what good is wisdom if you don't know how to apply it? People know they shouldn't smoke. People know they shouldn't drink. They shouldn't take drugs. They know they shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain. They shouldn't curse their kids in the middle of Walmart. They know these things. Believers know they should be faithful and obedient to God, but millions are not. They sit under the gospel every week and they learn a lot about the Bible. But if they don't apply what the Bible says to their lives, then they have no wisdom. So you've got to have understanding. You've got to have knowledge. You've got to have wisdom. So if you're going to survive, you've got to have information. And your information must be based... On truth. And the secret to success is truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What is truth? Everybody's tried to answer that question. What is truth? Truth is original information. Truth is right here. All we need to know to run a life, run a family, run a country, all we need to know to get through this life is we need some good, solid, original information. If you buy a computer or a new cell phone, or a new car, we all know they come with the manufacturer's manual, and only the creator knows the truth about the product. So what you want to do in life is get your heart and your mind on the creator, the manufacturer of life. You want to get your life in line with the creator of your life. Otherwise, you won't know how to live life. You won't know what's right. You won't know what's wrong. You won't know what's up. You won't know what's down. That's why the Bible warns all humanity in Ecclesiastes 12.1, Remember now who thy creator when in the days of thy youth before the evil days come. That's good advice. That's why Jesus said in the first gospel of the New Testament, Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things that people are needing and people are wanting, all these necessities, Jesus said they should be added unto you. If you put God first, You'll have what you need to survive in this world. But if you ignore God, then you will squander everything that you need. You will abuse and misuse everything that you need. And your life will be empty and you will end up becoming miserable. The Bible is our manufacturer's manual that tells us how to live right. And tells us what is right and wrong. And tells us how to be happy and how to build strong marriages and homes and churches, and tells us how to keep from crashing and burning in a lost hell. So if you want to get out of this life spiritually alive, read the manufacturer's manual. And then whatever you do, and this applies primarily to the youth now, and hopefully it applied to us who are aged, you've got to meet God early. If you don't meet God early in your life, I can guarantee you, you'll end up with a whole lot of regrets, a whole lot of misery, and you'll end up being very unhappy. When you are in your youth, when your hormones are raging, when you feel like you can go out there and conquer the world, that's when you are most vulnerable. That's when the youth make mistakes that cost them 20, 30, 40 years of misery. One mistake when you're young can cost you all the happiness in the world and cause you to become cynical and bitter and a nasty person to live with. Take the advice of the manufacturer who gave us this manual to keep us out of trouble. Remember now, thy creator, in the days of your youth. Because if you don't, the evil days are going to bowl you over and you're going to look back and you're just going to Regret one episode after the another. Amen? The Bible is our manufacturer's manual that tells us how to live right, tells us what's right and wrong. So if you want to get out of this life spiritually alive, you better meet God early. This is why the kingdom of God is not a religion. Religion is man-made, and religion makes members. But the kingdom of God saves souls and changes heart. The kingdom of God comes with power. It is not meat and drink, as you suppose, eating and drinking. It's righteousness and it's joy and it's peace in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God has power, power to turn your life around, power to change your direction and power to save you and power to rebuke the devil every time he tries to get into your heart. Jesus Christ, if you'll notice, he never joined a religion. He never became a Sadducee, a scribe, a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin. But his number one enemies in life were religious people. His best friends, they were sinners. Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. He came to bring a kingdom down in this world for you and I to become citizens in that kingdom. Which means our laws, our standards, our morality, our kingdom, our kingdom comes down from heaven. We are under the government of God. That's why Isaiah the ninth chapter says the government shall be upon his shoulders. So if we can claim to be the kingdom of God's citizens, then our ultimate government is not from earth. We are under heaven's government because the kingdom came down from God out of heaven. This idea of the church came down from God out of heaven. Our government, ultimately speaking, is not what comes out of this world. The government that governs us above this world is the government of the kingdom of God, the government that comes out of the manufacturer's manual that tells us how to live. Technically speaking, we didn't come from Earth. We came down to Earth by a heavenly God who created humanity for Earth. We've been looking for aliens from from other planets for a hundred years. Everybody's trying to find an alien. But have you ever stopped to realize or notice, with all these sightings, you would think, that one of these days the aliens would stop and have a cup of coffee with us and tell us what's going on out there. They asked Jesus one day, who was born in Bethlehem, And raised in Nazareth, the Jews said, where are you from, Jesus? You remember what Jesus said? In John 6, 38, he said, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. The Jews threw a fit. They said, what is this guy, crazy? Wait a minute. We know your father. He's the carpenter. We know your mother. You're from Bethlehem. We we know your brothers. We know your sisters. We know all about you. And they were complaining about that. And they said, hey, we know where you're from. You're from Bethlehem. We know your family. And Jesus just looked at them and said, no, you got it wrong. That's just where I landed. But I came from heaven. You're in the kingdom of God. You're in a heavenly environment. You're in an environment that came down from God out of heaven. Just stop and think about that. That's why when Jesus started his ministry, the first thing he preached was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And in Matthew 6, 9, Jesus said, When you pray, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, in earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. Jesus was saying, when you pray, don't pray to go to heaven. That's what religion does. When you pray, pray the opposite. Our Father, which art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Don't pray for earth to go to heaven Pray for heaven to come to earth. Pray for heaven's culture to come down to earth. Pray for heaven's lifestyle and heaven's morals and heaven's values and principles and righteousness and purity and honesty and modesty and holiness and integrity. Pray for all of that to come down to earth. Because God wants earth to look like heaven. This is what God wants. He wants his kingdom to be established right here. He wants his kingdom to be in your home and my home, in this church and every other church. He wants the kingdom to be established upon this earth in our hearts and in our lives and in our marriages and in our businesses and in our entertainments and in our work, and in our worship. God wants us more on earth than he wants us to be in heaven so we can win as many souls down here before we leave this world. That's why God provided healing. So he can keep us out of heaven so we can get the job done. Amen? You're praying, oh God, heal me, oh God, heal me. And so God heals you, and what do you do? Well, the only reason God heals you is to get the job done that he started. Yes, that's, true. that's why God created a family to be the catalyst for the world to see how families should live. The family is the first and the oldest institution upon the earth. The family is the cure for every social, psychological, emotional ill upon the planet. It's the key to national success. As goes the family, so goes the world. The family is the spiritual template for all the world to see. Our holiest living, then, should be in the privacy of our homes. Our holiest living should go on in the privacy of our homes. That's paramount. And that's what helps get our children to love God like the parents love God. When they see what's going on in the home is godly, it'll be easier for them to make the transition. The family is God's ideal for planet Earth. The family is the solution to all our national problems. The family is the key to a stable, productive, and spiritually healthy nation. If we don't get it right at home, if we don't get it right in privacy, then we're never going to get it right. The number one institution under relentless assault in America is our homes and our children. Everybody's complaining and everybody's all upset and everybody's all mad because they're being bullied. There's nobody being bullied more in this world than our innocent little children from the womb from infants and from teenagers and youth all the way up. They're being bullied. They're defenseless. Half the time they don't even know what's going on. But the family is the most targeted. Our children are the most targeted people in all the world. Thousands. The number one institution, as I'm repeating, under relentless assault in America is our homes. You know this, but I want to make a point. Since Roe v. Wade, 65 million babies have been murdered, and still counting. Thousands upon thousands of children have been kidnapped into lives of sex slavery pornography, drugs, unimaginable cruelties, because we have pride parades in our streets now, because we've brought drag queens into our elementary schools, and the medias and the movies and the ads feature 24-7 all of these lifestyles that are perverted No wonder our children are suffering gender dysphoria. And the medical community is gladly offering surgeries and surgical options to change their genders. The U.S. has the highest rate of single-parent households in the world which further increases the disadvantages for our children. Delinquency, crime, gangs, ghettos, poverty, and media accessibility, all this low-hanging evil fruit is so accessible to our little teeny-boppers, all manner of evil is devouring our youth, devouring their minds, devouring their lives. Not to mention the ungodly sexual curriculums and modeling of perversions in our elementary schools throughout our country. A good part of America, we must realize it now, is in the hands of the devil. Data shows our youth from 13 to 17 are suffering depression, bullying, drug and alcohol issues. Some of the top 10 issues facing our youth today are single parents, households, drug and alcohol abuse, Growing up too fast, sex education, music with sexual innuendos has become a malignancy. The concept of childhood is literally being wiped out. Violence in schools, success and happiness in life is how, uh, uh, excuse me, violence in schools, materialism is now an idea that we're being taught to our children that if they have stuff, they're going to be happy. Poverty, homelessness... Erosion of national pride and identity are just a few. Let's get something straight. The family is God's institute for education. The family is God's system for transfer of values. The family is God's program for initiating initiating morality. The family is God's source for establishing righteous traditions and customs. The role of the family should never be substituted by the state. Never. The state may transfer information, but they have no business transferring morality and values. Don't let the government, Hollywood, or the world teach your children for you. It's your job. Our kids should learn how to love God in the home. We are kingdom men and women, and we get our instruction from a heavenly kingdom which is not of this world. You can go into some of our big cities and you will find Chinatown, for instance, Little Italy, Japanese Americans, Indian Americans, Jewish communities, and they all teach their children their country's values right in the middle of the country, right in the middle of the United States. They're teaching their standards, their values to their kids right in our big cities. Because they don't want their children acting like half of America is acting. Parents, you know without me telling you, you're under a lot of pressure today. You're under a lot of pressure on all four sides. And only God and the manufacturer's manual will help you get through that. You won't be able to get around it any other way. Husband, fathers, What a role you play, especially in this culture today. The word husband means house bond. The father, the husband, he's the glue that holds the families together. He's the one who sets the pace, he's the one that sets the example. He's the president. The wife is the vice president. And the president doesn't make decisions without the advice of the vice president. And if there was ever a time we needed to tighten our belt and watch our kids like hawks and know what's going on in their schools, I was given literature from our elementary schools two, three months ago, showing what the kids are learning, every ungodly sexual thing that goes on in life. It's your job, husband, housebound, to keep it all together. It's your job to keep parents. It's your job. Pastor, it's your job. Sunday school teachers, it's your job to keep our children out of mischief. It's everywhere. And it's getting worse. The management of the home is the greatest test of parental leadership. And I know that in this congregation, there are many wonderful fathers and mothers. And just to set the record straight again, God created the female, not from the soil, not from the earth. He went inside of man And he pulled out a female, another human being who could reproduce life. He went into the man and pulled out life. And he made a female. And a real female is a female because she has a womb to carry the fetus. You are a female if you have a fetus capacity. So you can break your wrist, wear an earring, and have a ponytail, but if you ain't got a womb, you're a brother. I got my information from the manual. Where are all these senators and all of these people in high places, where are they getting their information? Senator Hawley was addressing a Berkeley professor and asked the question, are you a woman? She gave every kind of an example, every kind of an excuse, every kind of jargon except answering the question That's how messed up we are professing themselves to be wise the manufacturer manual says they become fools I'm going to close with Romans 14:17 for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, holiness. The kingdom of God is purity, it's living moral lives. Say, well, that can't be done. That's why the kingdom of God comes down with power. We don't have that kind of power to live righteously in this kind of world except the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are dwelling in our souls. So that's the first question I want to close with Are you in the kingdom? How can I tell I'm in the kingdom? How can human beings tell when they're in the kingdom? Three things happen when you're in the kingdom. The first one is you become holy, you become righteous in the Holy Ghost. So Paul goes on and said in Romans 14, 70, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink as you suppose, but righteousness and peace. What do people need more right now than anything else in this world? They need peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives unto you. How does the world try to give you peace? Addictions, alcohol, pills, this drug, that drug, this thing, that thing. People on the verge of losing their minds. Peace. And the last place that you can go if you don't have peace is in your prayer closet face to face with God. You're not going to fool God. I'm not going to fool. None of us are going to fool God. peace and joy. Joy. Joy that changing circumstances can't take it away from you. These three things, righteousness, peace, and joy, These are things you're not going to be able to obtain in the world. The world can't give it to you. The world can't take it away from you. The only one that can take your righteousness, your peace, and your joy away is you when you choose not to follow the Lord or obey him. And God is too much of a gentleman to keep you against your will. If you don't want to live with God, if you don't want to obey God, if you don't want to serve God, God, God's going to let you go. He will not overstep your moral freedom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I see a whole lot of Christians in this world. I know a whole lot of Christians. Who don't have neither of those. They don't have righteousness. They don't live right. They don't have morality. They swear. They curse. They cheat. They lie. They carry on. And they don't have peace. Because they're not living like they should. And they don't really have joy. If you're in the kingdom of God. God has provided power for you to reign above this old world. Look at our young people. you, You ever see them when they do interviews in the streets of our big cities? These are grown people. These are adult kids. And they ask them questions. Who's the first president of the United States? I don't know. Our generations are being dumbed down. And never is the dumbing down so dumb as when it comes to understanding how God feels. Amen? Our kids are growing up too fast. and they're growing up in the wrong direction. Let me tell you something. I would to God I could turn the clock back to when I was about 10 years old and know what I know. Now, know then. But youth can't comprehend Teenagers can't comprehend. Science, factual science, tells us that you have not fully developed to be able to make the right decisions until you're in your mid-20s. That's why I waited till I was 26 to get married. I wanted to make sure I got the right one. And she told me one day, and this is the truth. She says, I didn't know where you were going to come from. And then I don't know who you were. But what you don't know, buddy, is I prayed you in. And God located me on the other side of the world. Amen? Amen? you can make a fatal decision when you're in that very vulnerable stretch from your adolescence to your teenage years. You are vulnerable. You are susceptible because our country doesn't have the sense to keep things that are so accessible, evil things that are so accessible. I bought a new cell phone. I can't keep the thing from showing me the wrong pictures. One of you kids that are six, seven years old, will you come and fix my phone? Amen. Amen. And all it takes is an unguarded moment. All it takes is that right moment. And listen, the devil knows where your weakness is. He was led of the spirit into the wilderness. He didn't eat or drink for 40 days. And he was hungry. And when he came out of the wilderness, the first thing the devil hit him with, with where he was the weakest. He says, if you're the son of God, Turn these rocks into bread. You ain't no match. Nobody in this world is any match for the devil without God. I know. I know what you're thinking. Let me tell you something. I can't emphasize it enough. The God who created you, this is the manufacturer's manual. He is showing us in plain sight the best way to live. And if you bring God into your life early, God will give you the desires of your heart. And you will have a nice home. And you will have a nice companion. And you will have normal children. can't tell you the many times I was in the and didn't even know it I was just a little guy went down to the Mohawk River with one of my older brother's friends and we went into a secluded place and we're fishing and all of a sudden he's exposing himself I didn't even know what's going on, but I knew this. I knew I could run, and I ran fast. I can't tell you the moments, the opportunities in my childhood where the devil could have derailed me, destroyed my life. You better take a telling, young man. You better take a telling, young people. That goes for parents as well. You're not going to hear this in most churches. They all bailed out. They all compromised. They're all afraid of their members. Stick with the manufacturer's manual and you'll get it right every time. Amen? Amen? I want to say to those of you here who when Mike Worley preached the last sermon on Sunday morning, and we went, probably it was after 12 by the time we got out of here, but he had everybody bow their heads, closed their eyes, and there were seven people that raised their hands. Some of you are here this morning. And I've been wanting to come up to you and tell you I was so proud when I saw your hand go up. You didn't come from a Church of God background. But there was now enough Holy Ghost in that service. Sister Bennis' friend, Mary, how she put her hand up but God saw it God saw those hands and those of you that are here who raised your hands and those of you that raised your hands are listening by live stream keep it up keep it up stick with the manual stick with God Amen? So something came down from God from another world and it landed in this earth. And you and I have been invited to walk in that kingdom, live in that kingdom. We are citizens. Technically, we're not of this world. The Bible says when we die, we're going to our long home. Glory be to God. Amen? God bless you.